feeling it's a good one it's a good one pick up your feet let's go pick up steel on your way we are not going to shed that uh, revolutionary theme of last night completely I have a few things that's gonna lead us right into tonight's talk with Chris Ann Hall she is back for a visit in July historian educator radio show host, constitutional attorney, Chris Ann Hall, chrishannhall.com. She's back for the 29,000th appearance, and every last one gets better. Everyone gets better than the last, I'll tell you. And I can't wait to do tonight because you know that's the greatest thing is that every once in a while you review things that are necessary to understanding just how ridiculous the conversations and the political predicaments of today really are. When you know the history, when you know the intent of every, every last thing, um, when it, especially when it comes to government and American civic life, it, it really makes everything look so stupid and the schemes that much more apparent. It's just naked scheming and life gets a little bit more uncomfortable at that point because you realize that you are in a very, very small minority of people. Very small minority of people who actually get the the minutia of what's wrong. I mean, there are people out there who who can can just smell the stench of that the identity politics hawking left and cultural Marxism. They can feel the 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 dead that dead end feeling that they're leading us all down as a as a uh, civilization. And that's enough to say no no no, this is not for me. Free speech, free speech. But but usually those people that. They're just as emotional as anybody else because there's nothing. Tonight we're going to be talking about the, in particular, the well-regulated militia clause in the Second Amendment. I want to ask about that because it's one of those things that has become like the general welfare clause. For every gun grabber out there, it's their general welfare clause. Well-regulated. That means that we need to, which is the most stupid thing in the world, and when you think about it, because why on earth would you first say that the the, the future of a free state is dependent on people being armed, and uh, how does the state become, uh, stay free? That is to be able to check the government that they live under, and to say that that government has every right and a duty 
to well regulate the people and what they could use to revolt against them is so ridiculous. But these are ridiculous people. So we are going to be a little bit more sane after tonight, as always. But it will make you a little bit more dead inside. I, I will tell you that. I want to talk to her about that. I want to talk to Chris Ann Hall about the EPA ruling, uh, the opinion from SCOTUS about EPA regulations and how that could be used to potentially dismantle the administrative state, which is the real problem, the biggest problem that there is. And uh, I don't know. I think that's... Uh, I think that's good for the first half. In the second half, we're bringing on Frank and Jim Zell. They have been in private investigators for, I would say, the good part of 30 years or so. And we're going to be talking about the updates from the ground out there with the Utah ritual abuse case that they have been uh, all over since the beginning. And then a recent uptick in public interest around the subject of the Franklin scandal. So I'll read about that. We'll read about that together, and, and they'll be on for it. Um, what else do we have? What else do we have? I think that's it. I want to thank my sponsors for the evening. I want to thank them good and hard, and that is SecretNatureCBD.com. I had a little Secret Nature before, and I feel just fantastic, relaxed. It is full-spectrum CBD, so high in uh, so high to a full spectrum CBD, so high in CBD and low in THC that you can smoke it, you can buy it, you can use it however you like in every state of the union, and it's all good because you don't get stoned. It's just like this I don't know, this aura of good feelings. It's a small little vacation for your nervous system. Go ahead and do it, especially a couple of drops of the tincture before bed, however you like. It's there on SecretNatureCBD.com, and they have been in the cultivation business of the greatest crops of organic cannabis flower for the last 20 years. These guys, these gals know what they're doing, and if you have any questions, ask them. Just like you know you can ask Pat and Gina anything over there at Blue Monster Prep. Go and do it, ladies and gents. Go and do it. All right, and use promo code FRANKLY for 20% off of everything. That's the way it goes. Tomorrow night, Jim Lee is on. They're ramping up the climate catastrophe stuff again. They brought on a communist to the WHO that believes in endless lockdowns and all that stuff. A, a commie from, from the UK. Imagine that. And we'll talk about space bubbles and all that with Jim Lee from climateviewer.com. On Friday, on Thursday, I do not think Rob is going to be in. In fact, I don't think he's going to be in next Thursday either. And we're going, it's going to be a little touch and go because he's starting up a a, uh, a personal venture that he has to get used to a little bit and he that that's just the way it is so Thursday I think we might talk about non-human rescue stories if you have ever been directly or indirectly saved by an animal I have a wonderful list that is building up on the forum on the quite frankly subreddit and we'll also have time for calls and we'll figure out something else that's going on that night too and all good things coming more and more good things coming. Now, let's get into the grab bag. Shopping on knives, shall we? First things up, I got this sent to me by a friend of mine. Mark sent it to me. And Mark said, Frank, did you know about this? NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, the kids edition. Now, apparently, when I saw this, I, it, it, was a, it was a revelation. Because apparently... NBC, their normal programming is meant for adults. Did you know that? 
I didn't even know that. When I saw that NBC had a nightly news kids edition with Lester Holt, I said, whoa. You mean the regular programming is is supposed to be for able-bodied adults? Holy shit. Look at this. Did you did please keep your children away from this stuff? Nightly news, kids edition. Oh, there's a there's a baby cheetah. I can or I can already hear Lester Hall. Did you know that these cute cheetahs will all be dead if Republicans don't allow us to fix the climate, kids? With his ten thousand mile long forehead? Listen, listen, I'm losing my hair too. In fact, I, I, I haven't given a shit for a long time. I always liked shaving. Lester Holt doesn't shave. He will continue to try to reestablish his, his hairline no matter how far back the hair goes. It is ridiculous. He's starting to look like Bert from Sesame Street. Give it up, you freak. All of you freaks over there. So, yeah, keep your children away from the television and especially from the NBC Nightly News Children's Edition. Don't want to, you don't want any of that shit in your house. Please. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Oh, well, you know who needs to watch NBC News Kids a little bit more? This guy. Actually, children, you should actually leave the room for this. I'll pause the television for a second. Just get out for a couple of a couple of moments. I have to talk to your parents. Three, two, one. Okay, it's on you now, mom and dad, or grandma, uncle, aunt, whoever the hell's watching you, children. It's their fault. I'm sorry about this. Headline from Gateway Pundit: George Soros, Open Society Foundation employee, brags about having sex with multiple men at a pride event, and then blames government after catching monkeypox and gonorrhea. This is the face of LGBT Incorporated. And, and in, in fact, it's why, that's why when there's more and more pushback against, you know, L, you know, gay, lesbian, anything, it's because of this. And this is the whole point. Just like they want to inflame the southern border to try to inflame some kind of xenophobic, racist response so they can exploit that because there was no problem prior to. Listen to this. Uh, a public health expert, yeah, and director of George Soros' Open Society Foundation told The Guardian how he had sex with several men during a New York City Pride Fest. Now, by the way, monkeypox in New York City, there's over a thousand cases now. Then he blamed the government after contracting both monkeypox and gonorrhea. Let's see. So he outright admitted that he was aware that monkeypox was an emerging issue, especially for gay men, and yet he had sex with multiple men anyway because he believed that the number of cases in the city was not very high. Multiple men. Now, anybody that lives like that is a skank. Anybody. In, in, in one night, in one day. Anybody. It doesn't gay, straight, whatever. Man, woman. This is just degenerate behavior. And, and, and when you follow these people in whatever movement they say that they are championing, whatever cause they're championing, this is the behavior that becomes a triumphant, this is an act of defiance against the something oppressive something, even though you own the entire system. This is a defiant act of 
I don't know. Triumph? This is what they, they build this kind of behavior as. Um, what I didn't understand was how absolutely dismal testing capacity was. At that point, the city only had the capacity to process 10 tests a day. I had sex with several guys over the weekend. Then a week later, on July 1st, I started feeling very fatigued, had a high fever with chills and muscle aches, and my lymph nodes were so swollen they were protruding two inches out of my throat. I, and, and the whole thing just feels like a huge failure that should not have been allowed to happen, he said, especially not two and a half months into the outbreak. All you had to do was not treat your body like a garbage dumpster. All you had to do was not treat yourself like a dumpster for a couple of weeks to let all this die down. But that would be oppressive. That would be some kind of an affront to, I I don't know, their superpower? I don't know. This is a world that makes no sense. And this is just gross. Um, jeez. Okay, what's next? Oh, this will make a lot of sense to you. Studyfinds.com. No place to hide. 52% of people fear they're in danger every day, even at home. So, mission accomplished, CIA. Over Over half of Americans feel they're in imminent danger at least once a day. I wonder where they all live. A new poll of 2,000 Americans analyzed how they feel about their personal safety and found 52% feel on edge every day. Younger Americans were most likely to feel concerned about their safety on a daily basis, with 75% of those between 25 and 34 agreeing with this statement, compared to just 50% of those 45 to 54 of age. Dark streets and sidewalks trigger their anxiety the most, followed by neighborhoods that they aren't too familiar with. Next in line were the parking garages, riding alone in rideshare or taxi. Speaking of rideshare services, 39% of respondents completely avoid them because they don't feel safe taking them. You know, I, 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 I have to say, now I know that we are a society that has been pushed into paranoia and hypochondria by the fear campaigns that have gone back to 9-11 and everything afterwards. But a lot of this is actual just actually just responsible situational awareness, too. I can't imagine that most of these respondents are living in rural America where everybody knows each other and the, the, it, you're talking about tight-knit communities. This has to be people who are living in larger cities and more densely packed suburbs and... I mean, today, that would just be responsible. I would hope that if Aurora, if we all lived in the city for some godforsaken reason, even though I think we're too close right now anyway, I would hope that she would be more... If I if I knew that Aurora was being skeptical and hesitant to take taxis or ride shares or ride the subway, I would applaud her for being commonsensical. So I understand that we have been made into a nation of hypochondriacs and pill poppers, but some of this is actually warranted because it's very, very bad out there. And we can't even diagnose the problem correctly, so how the hell are we ever going to cure it or treat it? But that applies to a lot of things. And then one last thing over here, New York Post, I saw this, another Joe Rogan headline. Joe Rogan denies he's a conservative. Who cares? 
I was on welfare as a kid. I guess that means you can only be one thing. You can only belong to the party that created the welfare problem and the downturn and everything. And that is the central planners who are seated centrally in the Democrat Party. Of course, they have a very progressive Republican Party helping them along the way, pretending to be opposition, but then, you know, shutting down and not doing anything, especially in the face of civil rights and human rights abuses in Washington, D.C., with all of these January 6th detainees that continue to either kill themselves or are being... I saw another one was sentenced to five years in jail today. Five years. But... But let's learn more about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan took aim at left-leaning critics who accuse him of being a conservative and says that he well, he is a bleeding-heart liberal when it comes to a lot of shit. He's drawn fire from liberals for hosting guests who have criticized COVID-19 vaccines, pandemic-related lockdown measures. Um, and then he had a, uh, a comedian, Andrew Schultz, on. Schultz and Rogan began discussing politics including recent comments by Ted Cruz that the Supreme Court decision to legalize same-sex marriage was clearly wrong. Their conversation was transcribed by the news site. He said, Rogan blasted Cruz and GOP for opposing gay marriage. It's all gay. Notice that? Part of a plan, ladies and gents. Calling it homophobic. No, it's not. I don't know Ted Cruz's personal feelings about gay people and them getting married and whatever kind of setting that they've created, because obviously a new faith had to be created around this because there was no no traditional faith that I know of 50 years ago that was acknowledging uh, homosexual marriage. There is now thousands of rainbow flag churches in this country. Then again, if we all read... um, If you read Windswept House with me and Timothy Gordon over the last couple of months, then we have had some really awesome keen insights into how that gradual infiltration and the merging of church and state actually happened. You see, all that keep church and state separate bullshit, it's just that, bullshit. It's people who have actually been on the warpath to merge the state with the church to be able to control everything on a full-spectrum basis. But still, going back to this, it's not homophobic. Uh, I mean, if he was talking about his personal views about gay men, gay women, and they seem to be mean-spirited and exclusionary and all that stuff, then fine. But constitutionally, there is no reality in which it is legal. Nothing whatsoever. So this guy is just as confused a fence sitter as he ever was, who apparently is on now some kind of mission to replace his or repair his image with the least forgiving factions in the country, leftists. And he's a Texan now. He's gonna be voting in Texas elections now. This, this, so, yeah, I'm sure he brought a lot of great, uh, you know, millions of dollars to the Texas state economy um, in some kind of fashion. I don't know if they have an income tax over there or it's just gonna be him spending money out there and investing in businesses. But still, a couple of weeks ago, he was just saying that he refused Donald Trump multiple times for being on a show because he didn't want to help him, even though he's courted actual communists. I didn't, you know, never, never, never in the past has it been announced that you go on to Joe Rogan to be helped. So there's that. Then last week he made, he posited some ridiculous theory about Donald Trump being on Ritalin. And like I said, like I said, constitutionally marriage across the board 
is a non-factor. Any administrative aspect of marriage of any kind on a federal level is completely illegal. And this is what really kills me when, when shows like Joe Rogan step outside of its lane and take on issues and just some more of that dumb, emotional, ham-fisted way that everyone else is used to handling them with. They're just all, they're all emotional, ham-fisted know-nothings. You know, you want to solve a problem, you have to start finding a way to get all government out of marriage. All government out of marriage. You know, you know, up until the late 19th century, most of marriages, it was all the responsibility for the most part of local churches. You had your officiates, you have your, 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 your the, the congregation there, your family, your friends, you take your vows, and then you can go draw up your legal lines of uh, distinction and partnerships and all that stuff. And that's just what it is. You have a religious aspect, and then you have a real world financial partnership pretty much and that's what defines a marriage but it doesn't matter at this point like i said it doesn't matter abortion is a major part of the popular culture now and an entirely new secular faith has been created in the last 25 years so that's it and you know who's part of that secular faith is the uh the george soros guy with the monkeypox. that's it that's the new faith that's born just vote democrat and if it feels good keep doing it Nothing's asked of you, and and you own the government, and the world for that matter. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Max Caparato at 12,060 feet. You can get as high as I am by watching the Quite Frankly podcast. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Everybody, uh, I just one real quick thing because you know during the during the intro, I have literally ten seconds to to peer into the chat room and see how everybody's feeling. And I saw a couple people complaining. I wasn't looking at the chat. If you're new here, which you must be, I will just very. I'll just say you say to you right now, I am doing a very involved show, one that I have spent all day writing and producing. I have three screens in front of me, format notes, I've got calls I have to do, I have all of my media and all of the articles that we're covering in order, everything is well-timed and, uh, and conceptualized, there is no way in hell that I will be looking at 
the chat room unless I'm doing a back porch stream and all I'm doing is looking at the chat room. So hang out with us on a Saturday night with a cigar and a fire pit. Everything else, if you want to have, if you have an urgent matter that you need to have everybody out there know about, an opinion about something we're talking uh, about, that we're talking about, then go to quitefranklysuperchat.com. We read the super chats on in the second half of the show. Quitefranklysuperchat.com and wow us with the urgent, urgent things that you need to let everybody know. Wow us all. Quitefranklysuperchat.com. Okay. It's 7:20. There's a little bit more on this. I want to ask. I want to show you. When we're talking about the, you know, what a civil war would look like in the, in the new age. In the new age, what it would look like here. We went to an old post on 4chan. We took some screenshots from it. And I want to do a couple of more things, a couple of the, the responses, because guns, of course, pops up and all that. And I want to talk to Chris Ann Hall about the Second Amendment tonight. Here's a few of those responses before we start. We look to bring her in. Um, I will not make predictions of things that are so close to decision. Remember, they were talking about post row and what would how it would happen. And in short, in a nutshell, it would be a federal agent will go into a state that is refusing to go along with illegal federal action. A sheriff or a state agent would arrest the Fed. The Feds would bring back up to get them back. There would be a, a, a standoff. And then you would just see more and more lines of ideology and geography hardening between red and blue states. And the violence being a little bit more... And it's, it's, a, it's plausible. Because I thought about the whole Fed inside of a red state trying to do something that is completely illegal. And there being a little bit of a standoff. You know, that would be something that's very plausible and can escalate quickly. Someone said, I will not make predictions of all of things that are so close to decision. I have predictions for both things, but until tension point has been absolutely decided, it will be conjecture. Um, well, here they go. Get out of blue states, buy long-term freeze-dry food, but then we get into the gun stuff. I don't think it's that simple, Anons. You guys need to realize this turns into many factions at once. All desert states along the Colorado River are going to be at each other's throats when things get bad. They may band together to fight the Civil War, but once the Civil War is done, these states will go to war with each other over water. Nothing is clear-cut, and there will be no absolute factions. I fully expect Utah to try to create the state of Deseret, which was pretty much all of Utah, Nevada, Idaho and parts of Wyoming and Colorado. The Civil War will be two sides, but each side will have factions. Once the war is done, things will get very spicy again. We aren't just having a Civil War. We're having a war to unite the post-war factions. And then we start talking about guns a little bit more. I expect the right-wing coalition to win due to its ability to withstand hardship. That's just a, a subset of the right wing. Okay, we are just as, by and large, cushy and delusional as most people are but just a little bit a little bit better off it's basic agreements on unity and willing to give up things to help the war effort the left wing is a constant this this i can see 100 percent. the left wing is a constant purity spiraling of factions trying to one-up each other there will be infighting on who gets what and will be based off of uh, the metric of disadvantages their own ideology means they'll be able to form a functioning they won't be able to form a functioning team environment they cannot survive hardship and actively embrace self-destruction 
it's true. It doesn't even have to do with we got the gun scenario. Their ideology will tear them apart. At their base core, the left exists as a means to tear apart the spirit of America. They cannot survive without a host. And let's be honest, they, they don't really mind the guns. The guns, the guns have been a wonderful, wonderful uh, impetus for seizing more power. There's more guns in places where the guns have been banned than there are in other places. It's not even just handguns in Chicago. We're talking about, it, 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 I don't know what it looks like. It looks like Mad Max, some of the things that are put on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, they will also have significantly more factions than the right. So there's what we have. And it started, maybe, it started making me think about the whole gun thing again. Because what is this? What does well-regulated mean? And what was the Second Amendment there for? And the jockeying back and forth, and what are they making? And, and of course, the whole idea about throwing off a government in itself. Here's one last thing before we call Chris Ann up. Fake New York Times claims the forceful overthrowing of Sri Lankan government was relatively low-key and polite, much more peaceful than January 6th. Okay, now what did I say the day after Sri Lanka popped off? I said the J6 committee needs to pretend that this is what they lived through and survived. Even though if that is what happened, if that is what happened, I'm going to reserve all other personal comments. None of them would be on there in their air-conditioned room lying to television, you know, competing with reruns of Doug or whatever the hell else they're what they're polling at right now, they're downplaying people's real resistance to actual thugs, and they are thugs themselves too. Liz Cheney should be in a, in a in a prison with her father. Adam Schiff and the rest of them, they should be in prison as well. The the shit that we live through, they have been they have been running accelerated psychological operations since the 2016 Russia hoax. That's the first Russia hoax. Too many fake scandals to count. Most have been forgotten. And all of 2020 was an act of war. And all they got was the mosh pit on January 6th and a whole fuck ton of exaggeration. So, uh, yeah, I, I, they, I, what do they have to fear of the Second Amendment? That's the question I have to, I have to, I have to really ask. But let's get Chris Ann Hall on the phone because... This is a hot button item. This is something that people have been talking about for so long. Uh, we discussed it the last time Chris Ann was on, and now we're going to be doing it again. We're, we're going to expand a little bit more. Chris Ann, are you there? Hey, Chris Ann. Oh, she's there. This happens from time to time. Uh, so I'm going to keep talking. And <laughs> Chris Ann, do you hear me? Hold on. She says, hold on. She'll be right back. All right. All right. She'll be right back. So back to this article then, because we can talk about how ridiculous that is. Oh. I'm here. Oh, there she is. <laughs> What's going on? Great to have so you my on. producer had to take the afternoon off. So oh, oh okay. So running both sides of it, too. And hey, Frank, I have to jump in and say, will you please, please forgive me? About what? All those people trying to contact you about through the chat was because of me. Why? What happened? The Zoom link wasn't working. Oh, well, oh, well, thank God it worked now. 
Yeah, so I was trying to get in touch with you to tell you this. I had texted you and you didn't answer me. I called and you didn't answer. And so I put in the Zoom chat that, hey, Frank, the, the Zoom link's not, or in the DLive chat, hey, Frank, the Zoom link's not working for me. And then everybody started jumping in and helping me. And then I got them in trouble for trying to get in touch. They, that, they, were, they were in trouble. They were in trouble. I thought there was a couple of newbies in there getting salty with me because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see the context. Uh, so I just want to let them know it's, it's just, it's, I don't want anybody to be upset when I, you know, I continually ignore them during the show, but there are ways to get in touch with me during the show. Well, I'm sorry. I should have had my phone in front of me and that's my fault. Well, anyway, welcome that's to the okay. show. That's okay. It's no big deal. It's, it's all done. It's all good. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't mad at them because it was my fault. I'm, no, I'm not mad either way. I just have to put that out there in case they were newbies, but how was your vacation? Oh, it was it was really nice. I think it needs to be longer next time because I really spent the whole time sleeping. Well, you know, did you feel like you are refreshed though? I do. I actually do because it was just 4 days and like I said I spent the whole time sleeping. And so I felt like on day number 4 I was actually refreshed enough to enjoy a vacation, but then, you know, it was time to come home. So Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I said, I told my husband, I said, why did we spend money to go out, of, you know, to go to a hotel out of town if all I was going to do is sleep? He said, because if we were home, you wouldn't sleep. It's, so. You know what? It's true. It's true. At the very <laughs> least, there is nothing like sleeping in a hotel bed. You know, there's just something. Yeah. So you get you get so much more permission just to, you, well, listen, you paid for the bed. You've got to just be in it. So yeah. there's, yeah, did you get, and I slept in the bed and I slept by the pool and I slept in the pool and I mean, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> everywhere I went, I slept, but it was quite obvious that I'd been burning the candle at both ends and sleep is exactly what I needed. So well, you, thanks well, for you checking do. up on me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a good thing to check up on rest because you are, you go all over, you, you are actually, you are, uh, in demand for people all over the world, as we were talking about months and months ago about some things that were going on in Eastern Europe that you were involved yeah. in too. But you know, last time you were on in particular, we were finally discussing something I always wanted to bring up with you and we did it in a, in a minimal sense, but it, it, it hit it right on the nail. And that was the mindset driving the different factions on the, in the, on the founding generation who opposed right. or supported the ratification of the Bill of Rights and why people who, you know, why, and it was, it was really wonderful. Opposition, like Alexander Hamilton you were talking about, saw it that it was not only moot, since whatever was not enumerated in, the, uh, in Article 1, it was not legitimate power of Congress anyway, but you, right. al but you also said that they saw it as, a cor of course, a danger, because the more right. words you put down on paper, the more lawyers of the future will twist those words to insinuate the opposite of its original intent. And when you say in the future, Frank, what's quite interesting is that uh, what we have on the record is James Madison all the way, you know, I mean, in, in 1791 and 1792, already on the House floor admon admonishing congressmen for trying to twist the words of the Constitution to to uh, authorize more power than was granted. And And this brings me to... One particular thing that we, it's just cyclical and it, we never can get away with it and it's not going to fix anything, 
but at least it's going to fix people, their sanity at home, knowing the truth. It brings me to the Second Amendment and that term, well-regulated. Now, this has become the common welfare clause for the gun grabbers. So can you please just go into original intent? What does well-regulated militia mean? We know what they're projecting it as, but just give us the nuts and bolts. You know, it's actually, uh, I do teach a, a really simple but deep class on this at libertyfirstsociety.com. I know that you are a member at libertyfirstsociety.com, and, and I'm sure you've seen this class, so you know how it's broken down in such a simple way. And I do, Frank, want to sort of lead off with something that uh, I hear all the time is is how this argument of well re- of redefining or creating definitions for things like well regulated militia actually come to be, and it's this idea that we can't possibly know what the words of the Second Amendment meant to the people who wrote it because they're dead. Mm. And I actually in law school had a law professor look me in the face and tell me that very thing. And I had to tell him, I said, look, you know, you're going to give me a grade. And with all due respect, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be insulting here. But the only reason we can't know what the what the drafters of this contract meant, because that's what it is, is a contract, is if we're illiterate because they actually wrote down and and not just a little bit i mean they wrote reams and reams and reams about what they meant and what they knew it meant and even the debates over what it meant till they came to the final conclusion of uh that would would grant permanent meaning through ratification and so in this class at libertyfirstsociety.com on the second amendment i show you exactly not what what I think it means or or how I take this this crafty, you know, Greek and Hebrew lexicon and, and tell you what the meanings of the words are from their etymology, but from the very men who wrote the very document. And I give you several examples. I actually have the the slide presentation in front of me that I use for libertyfirstsociety.com because this is really important and I want to be able to to tell you exactly what they said so that I don't, you know, number one, I don't want people to think I'm making this up and uh, number two, I want people to understand what it really means, right? Hmm. That's what you asked me, right? Absolutely. All right. So a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of the free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. You know what the first problem with that is, Frank? What? We don't teach grammar in school anymore. And so the grammatical formation of that statement is more complex than the 2022 uh, illiterate grammar mind from the public school can grasp, right? So the, the fact that we don't teach grammar locks us into what we call in the literary word world subject verb object format and so what we believe is that the subject of the sentence is well-regulated militia that's not true the subject of the sentence is actually the rights of the people 
that's the subject of the sentence. Everything else, if you were to diagram that sentence, would be off on branches. So if we're going to organize the Second Amendment into a, a more subject-verb-object sentence that, that we can recognize because we don't teach complex grammar anymore, it would read, uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed because a well-regulated militia is necessary for the security of the free state. Mm. That's, that's, that's the 21st how cent- it would read. Yeah, in the 21st and century. then we would know that the right of the people to keep and bear arms is actually the subject clause of the sentence. It's the main clause of the sentence. But what I believe now, I believe that there are there are always in politics three classes of people. They are what James Otis, you remember James Otis Jr., right? Yep. James Otis Jr. called them the, um, uh, uh, oh, and, I, and it just poof went out of mind. So basically the ignorant, the uh, compromisers, and the malicious. So you have people who believe what they're told as lies. You have the compromisers who know what's true, but they want to go, you know, whatever way is the path of least resistance. And then you have those who are malicious who know it's true, but lie on purpose for their own personal gain. You know, this is, I have to jump in because it, that is so brilliant and so well put. And this is, this is one of those things, Christian, that was told to me by a writing mentor of mine many years ago. She said, Frank, if you are writing about something true that speaks to the nature of man, it is never going to be dated. You, you, you'll be able to read that book in the 18th century, in the 24th century, and it'll always right. be true because it's going to speak to something about whether it be joy or jealousy or whatever, revenge. That's just what it is. And, um, man, that just hits it because I just, <laughs> we just, we were just talking about Joe Rogan. I said, he's the compromiser. There's yeah. the compromiser right there. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, Joe Rogan has, has flat out refused to have me on his show many times. Wow. He has been, I know, and, and there's, I could give you a list, Frank. I could give you a list. Well, he doesn't want to help people you. People that are, have major shows that I know, some of them I actually spoke to personally, not Joe Rogan, but I know people he knows has said to him, you need to have Chris Ann on your show, and he won't do it, so... Well, if, if somebody like you were on the show, he wouldn't have opportunities to grandstand and call people like Ted Cruz homophobic for just stating that right. the federal government has no nothing to do with marriage of any kind. So, yeah. I mean, that, and just, you know, compromisers, the, the belly dancers, that's, that's tremendous. I'm sorry I pulled you off track, but I had to, I had to comment okay. on that. Go right ahead. That's okay. So, remember, you have the ignorant, you have the compromisers, and you have those who have wicked evil intent, right? That's your, your main classifications of people. And I believe those in government and those who are on the gun grabbing side uh, in the leadership positions fall into the wicked evil intent. They know actually what is true, especially the lawyers who are making this argument. So what you called the general welfare clause of the second amendment is actually began as an argument by federal attorneys and the uh, think tank gun grabbers who are creating legal briefs. 
And what they say is that the Second Amendment must only mean uh, people who work for the government because the Second Amendment reads a well-regulated militia and everybody knows that no one regulates better than the government, right? So they use that well-regulated as, as government-controlled. When, here's the thing, I'm always shaking my head because the liberal word changers, right? Because that's what they do. They redefine terms to either ostracize or classify or even convince people of lies. And so what happens is we are the probably the only people in the world that think the word to, to regulate is synonymous with government. To regulate is not synonymous with government. When the word regulate, when you look it up in the dictionary, it actually means to do a motion, to do a thing over and over and over again without deviation or error. So it's like a factory worker who's just doing the same motion over and over again. So well-regulated means a militia that operates their firearms well-trained and are fully capable to do so without error and without a deviation. So if you want to make it simple, a well-regulated militia just simply means a well-trained militia. Hmm. Now, I'm going to give you evidence now from the people who actually wrote the Bill of Rights, wrote the Second Amendment, so that people out there who are just on the fence and don't realize maybe the ignorance, those, the compromisers, and you're going to have a couple militias in your, those who are malicious, not militia, but malicious in, in your chat room. They always show up. So the first person we're going to hear from is George Mason. Now, George Mason in history is called the father of the Bill of Rights. The Second Amendment is in the Bill of Rights. He is called the father of Bill of Rights, so he should have some authority. Can we agree on that? Yes. Everybody? Okay, so here's what he says. When the resolution of enslaving America was formed in Great Britain, this was about 1945, or I'm sorry, 1745. So about 1745, the British government had decided it was about time to get the colonists under control because the real protests started growing about 1720. That's when Benjamin Franklin was writing and educating the people about how the government was getting out of control and things were starting to get enough educated, enough pushback that, that the British government was getting a little nervous. So. He says, when the resolution of enslaving Americas formed in Great Britain, the British Parliament was advised by an artful man who was governor of Pennsylvania. Now, the governor of Pennsylvania was an appointee of the king. So remember, they're colonies, not states. And so the governor of Pennsylvania is advising Parliament on how to get these cheeky American colonists under control. And he says, uh, let's see, uh, who was governor of Pennsylvania to disarm the people 
that it was the best and most effectual way to enslave them. But he said, do not do it openly. You must weaken them and let them sink gradually. So the governor of Pennsylvania says, don't show up on the front door and take their guns because they'll shoot you in the forehead. What you have to do is you have to make it difficult for them to get the supplies to maintain their guns. You must give it difficult for them to even have access to buy firearms. You must make it difficult to, for them to get the lead and the pow powder and all that stuff. You have to weaken them gradually. And then you have to put enough of the government forces in the community to replace the need for guns with government presence. Oh, you don't need to own your guns because there's plenty of us here to protect you. Mm. So this was the whole plan to disarm the people, to physically make it difficult for them to have the firearms and what they need, and then to psychologically convince them they don't need them anyway. And so this is 1740. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. Just realize we are repeating mistakes of our history because our history does, history books don't teach this history. That's why. Mm. If we taught what I teach at libertyfirstsociety.com, there is no way Joe Biden would be president. There is no way we would be where we are today. None whatsoever. And that's not arrogant. I'm just guaranteeing that's how it is. Here's what we need to know. Who are the militia, right? That's the question. George Mason says, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this, Frank, okay? I am reading this from his quote. George Mason, quote, I ask who are the militia? In 12 years of being a, an apologist of our constitutional republic, in 12 years, and I have debated some of the most highly respected minds regarding the Constitution. In 12 years, I have never had anyone pose a question to me about the Constitution that the founders themselves did not ask and answer during the ratification. They make and here it, we have George Mason asking, who are the militia? Yeah, they, they, and they, nobody, did. they make it seem like these conversations didn't happen. That you would and have here, to, yeah. listen, Frank, he's going to answer. He says, I ask who are the militia. They consist now of the whole people except a few public officers. He's telling us the militia are the whole body of the people, not including the government. So the idea that a well-regulated militia is, is to be uh, restricted to those in government is specifically disputed by the man called the father of the Bill of Rights. He's like, no, 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 the militia is everybody except the government. Now, the next person we're going to hear from, do we still, are we, how are we doing on time? We're good. We have 14 minutes. Okay. The next person we're going to hear from is Noah Webster. Now, I chose, there, is, there are reams and reams about this, Frank, but I chose very specific people because of their respected positions. So they, they could be classified as experts if you put them on the news. And so Noah Webster is the guy who wrote the first American dictionary, Webster's New oh, American Dictionary. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. 
<laughs> so if you want to know the meaning of militia, why not ask the guy who wrote the book about the meaning of words? Right? Mm -hmm. So he says, before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed as they are in almost every kingdom in Europe. The supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of the people are armed and they constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be raised on any pretense in the United States. He says a force at the command of Congress can execute no laws, but such as the people perceived to be just and constitutional for the people will possess the power and jealousy will instantly inspire the people to the inclination to resist the execution of a law which appears to them unjust and oppressive so who are the militia the whole body of the people not including the government it's just incredible how the, the, so, there, there's nothing up for interpretation. There is nothing. It's nothing up for interpretation. So now we know who the militia are, right? Yes. The whole body of the people, not the government. So what does well-regulated mean? Well, guess what? They told us. This comes from Richard Henry Lee, who is writing a series of anti-federalist letters called letters from the federal farmer to the republican okay and i forgot to write this down but i believe this is number eight but don't hold me to it anyway he says whereas to preserve liberty it is essential that the whole body of the people you catch in a pattern there right mm -hmm. whole body of the people always possess arms now let me pause there for a second let me ask you, give you a pop quiz, Frank. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. Okay, yes. If something is essential, can you do without of it? No. If you're always doing something, is there ever a moment when you're not doing it? No. So according to Richard Henry Lee, one of the drafters of the Second Amendment, if you are not always packing, you are not preserving liberty. <laughs> this is so awesome. This is so awesome. This is, the, now, this is awesome. Now, he is now going to define well-regulated for us. So I'm going to back up a little bit, he says. Whereas to preserve liberty, it is essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. Well-regulated means well-trained. And the drafters of our Second Amendment expected for our children to be raised knowing how to keep and bear and use arms. Now, let me point out something to you. There was no pre-K in 1789. No pre-K. There was no government education whatsoever. So... Richard Henry Lee is not telling us that it's up to the government to train our children on how to keep and bear arms. He is expressing to parents the necessity of raising your children with the skill and knowledge of keeping and bearing arms for one reason and one reason only, to preserve liberty. 
And if we as adults are exercising our duty, I don't think we have a right to keep and bear arms. I think we have a duty to keep and bear arms. And we are not training our children. We are now negligent parents because number one, that's how bad things happen when you have guns in the house and you don't train your children on on how to use them and how to respect them. And then number two, when they grow up and they get to be 18, they saw you having guns, so they go buy a gun and they've not been trained and they shoot the toe off, right? So a responsible, liberty-loving parent, every parent who's on 2A, okay, how, how old is your child and how long have you been training them? Because my son started shooting when he was four. He's based. Based. Now, when he was four, right? Now, I didn't start him off with an AK. He started off with a BB gun, but that was enough for him to really understand in his little four-year-old brain the power and the responsibility for the, what, he's, what he's holding in his hand. Let me, look, let me tell you a little story. One time, I think Colt was like five, six or something, now in Florida we have these little lizards everywhere. The ones like the Geico gecko. Mm -hmm. They're they're just everywhere. Yeah. And one day Colton with his little BB gun shot the tail off of one of these lizards. Now, I recognize there's a teaching moment here, but I still have to stifle my pride because I'm thinking, wow, at five, this kid's shooting the tail off a lizard. This is really good stuff, right? <laughs> right. And they grow back, right? Yeah, so, but here's the thing. I knew I had a teaching moment, and he himself, my, my kid is a tender-hearted kid. He was really upset because he saw the lizard bleed. So I first reassured him that the tail was going to grow back. But then I explained to him, we don't idly shoot things. You shoot things with a purpose. I said, so next time you shoot a lizard, I'm going to cook it and you're going to eat it. So make sure that you are acting responsibly with your firearm. And that was enough. Wow. That was enough. I mean, we have gun saves in our house, but we don't lock up our guns when we're at home. As a matter of fact, Colton's 16. He, he could outshoot any adult I know. The kid is like, like a sniper. He's amazing. So... I don't worry about him about firearms, and I don't hide guns from him. We have a safe to lock them up when we're away from home, right? Because he knows to respect them, and now at 16, he knows how to use them. This and by is, the way, yeah. if you're trying to hide a firearm from your child, you're fooling yourself. I mean, seriously, when was the last time you tried to hide something from your child? They're super sleuths. The fact that you've hidden it has given them a challenge. So you're, you're not going to do that. You have to be responsible. And if you're a 2A person, like so many conservatives run around and say, the first question is, okay, how old's your child and how long they've been shooting? Because that's the only way you're going to be a well-regulated militia, which means well-trained. It doesn't mean government-controlled. You know, it's, once again, a... It baffles me because even before we got this this deep dive tonight, 
and I always I hope that people go to Liberty First University and and sign up for all of your courses. But whenever we get these deep dives, it, it's just it's great to have the contrast to what was what was only a gut feeling and knowing number one, whatever they say is the actual opposite. This is such right. such a polar opposite that it's yet yeah, well regulated. They're thinking, oh well, well first of all, think about the the insanity of a state of a state a central power saying right. that we have the ability to regulate what you could use to rebel against us with i mean that just in itself is absolutely ridiculous but then again we're dealing with unserious ridiculous people and yeah. and how well regulated actually means no that means you need to start practicing and you are can an individual yeah can i read you the words of patrick henry please all right, so let me set the background here. This is during the ratification of the Bill of Rights, specifically in uh, Virginia, talking about the uh, right to keep in their arms, right? And so one of the delegates stands up and gives this very eloquent speech about how the right to keep and bear arms doesn't need to be codified in the Bill of Rights because number one, we've just come from a bloody revolution and there's no way any American in the future will ever allow government to disarm them ever again. And number two, we are not a kingdom anymore. We're a constitutional republic. So there are many powerful, peaceful ways to control our government. Now, Patrick Henry was a very zealous guy, and he didn't like that response. So he stands up, gives this very eloquent speech about how this guy's off his rocker, doesn't know what he's talking about. And here's what he says. The record says that Patrick Henry turns and sneers at the guy who just made that statement and says, oh, sir, we should have fine times indeed if to punish tyrants it were only sufficient to assemble the people. Your arms, wherewith you could defend yourselves, are gone. Did you ever read of any revolution in a nation inflicted by the, uh, against those in power by those who had no power at all? You see, the right to keep and bear arms is not about hunting. It's not about sports or gun collecting. It's not even just about robbers and rapists. It's about preserving liberty and preventing tyrants. Man, and to think what Sri Lanka did without any guns. They just, they just got hundreds of thousands of people together and just overwhelmed the government buildings and forced people to resign and get them out of there. And over here, we have these, these freaks on the J6 committee pretending, pretending that they were actually in any kind of danger when... Uh, Man, oh, this is just, it's just always tremendous. It really is tremendous. This, um, I, I never thought that we would get such a great show out of this particular topic because you think that there's, that the Second Amendment, that everybody knows all there is to know. It's apparent that there's just miles deep under every yeah. clause. Every clause has miles. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. Reams and reams, Frank, reams and reams. Now, let me, let me mention to you that our founders, because we were not a kingdom but a constitutional republic, uh, really envisioned a future where the people would keep and bear arms but would not need to use them, right? So because we are not a kingdom, 
we don't have to control government with revolution. When Thomas Jefferson said that the tree of liberty must be fertilized by the blood of tyrants uh, and patriots every 20 years, he was actually re recalling back to a kingdom-style government. But you see, as a constitutional republic, we have very powerful, peaceful ways to change, to control government that do not involve actually using the firearms that we have. So our firearms are more like birth control. They're to keep anything from happening. You know, you don't come at me, right? You mm -hmm. can't get through. You won't even come at me. Right. So um, because, you know, I bear arms, right? And so what we have is a situation where we're supposed to be engaged and active participants in government. We are not supposed to be spectators. We are not supposed to be uh, consumers of government. We're supposed to be participants. And we have failed to do that. And so we have very peaceful, powerful means, especially in peaceful noncompliance. You've seen my movie, Noncompliant. Yes. So you know the power that we have. And we have an obligation to future generations to exhaust that power before we consider picking up arms to do the job. Well, you know, I, I, it's it's eight o'clock on the dot, and I that's such a great place to cap off the Second Amendment topic for tonight because I'm sure we can do so much more than that. And I just love listening to the analyzing of the of the debates that were going on. I mean, there's plenty that I've read. I've read the Federalist Papers, although a long time ago. I So I know that there's so much, as you said, in volumes and volumes that you can read for so long, but your presentation is always just very compelling, and um, it makes a lot of sense. It's very comforting, to be honest. But I... I don't know how much time you would need for this next thing, but I think that it relates in a little bit more of a contemporary way when it comes to peaceably dissembling disassembling the most tyrannical mutated mutant part of what we you know what we the we live under right now and that's the administrative state um, right. how much time do you think that you would need to really get to the crux of this scotus ruling or the scotus opinion about the epa and their regulatory power you know I think to do it justice, we could schedule another show. Okay. But I think that I can give you enough and then direction where to find more for the people who want to read ahead. Yeah, let's talk for like five, like maybe five to ten minutes. I can, I can yeah. do that. And because yeah, I, I, I can do that. I saw I this one this way here. I, I'm working off of this NASDAQ.com thing. It gave the four key takeaways about this court opinion uh, a few weeks ago. And... It, what it came down to is that the EPA cannot reduce greenhouse gases through regulation, of course, they say, without explicit congressional authorization, which that doesn't, that doesn't exist either, right? Yeah, so let me just, I don't know what that NASDAQ thing says, but let me just boil that down the EPA thing for you. Okay. And so what the Supreme Court said was that regulatory agencies, the EPA specific in this case, can no longer fill in the blanks. Now that's something that has been a precedent. They, this is overturning precedent, a precedent that actually Scalia himself helped to, in, uh, to substantiate. 
is that when there is an ambiguity in the creation of a regulatory agency or a law that shifts a power to the regulatory agency, when there's an ambiguity, then the regulatory agency gets to fill in the blanks. Well, this decision said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. If there is an ambiguity in the law, the regulatory agency doesn't get to make it up as they go along because they're not elected by anyone. So they don't have the authority to fill in the blanks of law because that's the equal to writing law. And so what they said was that if regulatory agencies are going to do something, if they're going to exercise a power, that power must be explicitly directed by Congress. So no more, no more administrative state filling in the blanks. It is either written explicitly in the law or it's not authorized by the EPA. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, are, are, are freaking out about Dobbs and overturning Roe, but this opinion that we're talking about really is, is a bigger case than Dobbs. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, it is absolutely huge. When you realize that we have over 100 executive agencies, over 100 executive agencies, this now calls into question every single regulation by every single executive agency and gives the opportunity to overturn every regulation and the the uh, you know the regulatory agencies interpretation of them this is huge i mean this could create a, 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 an a, an avalanche a domino fall of all these things really really opens the door for some serious lawsuits and some serious victories for I, people who are continually oppressed by these epa by these regulatory agencies I was going to gauge your your seriousness and your your excitement level on the subject before really getting excited myself because upon first blush when I was reading this I said whoa and I and I said the same thing too it might have been the day of with the EPA um, ruling that came out and I was talking on the show and I said that night I said I have to talk to Chrisanne <laughs> about this next time she's on but. Whereas, of course, there is no way that you can measure the moral victory, the, the, tru- the truly, I mean, the, the, the level of morality that the Roe the decision, the Dobbs decision operated on, that was, that can't be matched as far as when we're talking about human decency, humanity, and morality, ob- obviously. But when it comes to the ability to fight against and check the administrative state, the bureaucracy that we all live under with absolutely no representation at this point, I, I had to imagine that this was just absolutely massive. Yeah, and Dobbs is actually bigger than most people realize as well because the, the, the real impact of Dobbs is not the overturning of Roe, but it's the defining of what is a constitutional right. Remember, abortion was deemed an unnumerated right in the Constitution. So the Supreme Court said in Dobbs, um, no, abortion can't be an unenumerated right in the Bill of Rights because it doesn't have 
uh, and then it establishes a criteria. And the criteria to be recognized as an unenumerated right is there must be a long-standing cultural expectation of that right and a long-standing cultural and legal recognition of that right. For example, you know, you have the Bill of Rights 1 through 8 all enumerate certain natural rights, certain rights that stem from natural rights, but parental rights is not listed between 1 through 8. But no one, uh, well, no one in their right mind would argue that parental rights are not uh, natural rights, that parental rights are not a right that is to be guarded and secured by the government because since there's been parents and since there have been laws, both culture and law have recognized that parents have the ultimate and last word on the what we call in the legal field the care, custody, and control of their children. Mm-hmm. So long-standing cultural recognition, long-standing legal recognition, and abortion does not rise to that level because the right to abortion was literally invented in the argument for abortion. It's just incredible. Just incredible. And it's so it really has been with all everything going on around us it really has been a significant year and i i hope i hope that do you think that there needs to be at this point now that the the epa this uh, a ruling itself was was passed down does there need to be just an army of patriot lawyers out there drafting uh uh, lawsuits right now there already are oh wonderful oh i'm sure of it i'm sure as soon as this came down i mean the american people (laughs) I don't want to be you know like bashing the you know the 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 uh tribalistic icons but you know everybody was ticked off at the fbi monitoring the the senate and and monitoring donald trump if the american people knew how many everyday americans rights were annihilated by these regulatory agencies on a stinking basis. I mean, the the country went crazy, you know, the conservatives went crazy over the infringement of Donald Trump's rights. And the rest of us who work in the civil rights fields were like, how do you get all worked up about Donald Trump? What's happening to Donald Trump is just a fraction of what's happening to Americans every single day and has been happening since, I don't know, since 1913 when the ATF was created. I would say, uh, I, and, and to, 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 I don't know, counter or compliment that a little, I think that, at least from the people that I know, and I know that's anecdotal, watching this happen with Donald Trump was a big wake-up moment for a lot of people because they realized they didn't realize how bad of a situation they were in as an individual until they saw this was being done in broad daylight to a president you know who we're certainly not presidents we we certainly don't have any social status like that so that's when a lot of people I knew that were never interested they started looking into the NDAA they started looking into what the Patriot Act was really all about I mean it's it's been uh, it's been a a very big an uncomfortable bucket of ice cold water, Chris Ann, and but yeah. you know what, Frank? That's why I can look at you today and tell you I have never been more encouraged in my life about the future of America. 
I know it looks really crappy out there, and I know people are feeling the darkness and of 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 the of the control and oppression of government. But it is only through oppression that revival happens, and it's only through the awakening of what. Uh, through oppression that people actually become awake to what's happening around them. We get lazy in our luxury. We get complacent and compliant in our comfort. We come pacified in prosperity. It is only when we realize, right, it's always somebody else's fight until you get punched in the eye. You know, think about this, the schoolyard brawl. It's a great thing to watch until you get punched and then it's on. Well, the American people are starting to wake up and realize they're being punched in the eye by their government while at the same time the government is putting sparkly things in their hands. And so we're distracted by the free stuff while we're getting beat in the face for our liberty and finally people are starting to realize hey wait a minute that kind of hurts and it is only through that realization that your daughter my son our children will have a better opportunity than we have today and that's why i am more hopeful now than i have ever been in my life well, every time you come on, I leave a little bit more hopeful as well, Chris Ann. And I, uh, again, as I said in your in your little intro, because um, you know so many people that watch this show know you uh, just as well as I know you at this point. Every time you come on, it's better than the last time, and it's just I don't know how we keep doing it, but we keep outdoing ourselves. Please let everybody know where to find you, all of your ongoing work, and I can't wait for the next time. Well, chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. When you go to chrisannhall.com, right there on the top, you'll have access to Liberty First Society. You'll have access to our uh, documentary, Noncompliant. If you go to noncompliantmovie.com, you'll be able to see the trailer for Noncompliant 2. Um, hey, Frank, would you like to be on the front line of seeing the pre-release? Oh, please, yes. How do we do this? All right, well, you have to tell me what you think when you see the pre-release. And then, so, chrisannhall.com is where is the hub where you catch all of that. And we are actually, we're, I know it's a little early for you, but we are actually finalizing our homeschool curriculum package at libertyfirstsociety.com to help people uh, be able to come to us for their American history and their constitutional history and their civics lessons for their for their kids. Earlier even the better. If you don't homeschool, you need this because the private schools and the government schools aren't teaching this anyway. Can I get a, can I say hello to my friend David who's watching you right now and he's a huge fan of yours Frank. Absolutely. Please he say hello to David. He found me because of you. Really? David? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that I could just be a a connector and at any point here. This is great. David. I have so many people when I'm out around the country, Frank, come up to me and say, I see you on Frank, and I love you on Frank. We just love Frank, and I wish I could capture that on video so you know from from sea to so shining sea, Frank, people are watching you, wow. and they appreciate you, and they're grateful for you, and they love you. Well, I love you. Thank you so much for this. Send my best to JC. I will. Yes, I, I would love one day we should all, I would love to all go to a range one day together. That would be I'm great. I'm waiting for you to come down here. 
it'll ha it's going to happen. Don't worry. We're, we're just starting to get a little bit loose around here. The baby's a lot easier to travel now. She's she actually likes being in the car. So maybe who knows? There's so many options. It's all opening up. And thanks for yeah. everything. And uh, well, we'll I'll I'll talk to you afterwards. All right. Sounds great. All Love right, you guys. Bye. Thank you. Take care. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Ann Hall. Uh, the Second Amendment, like many of you, I'm sure there may uh, many of you out there who've already been through the rigmarole and you you know everything line and verse, but that was a dive that we all needed, including myself. Things I've heard for the first time, things I needed confirmation on. I'm glad we got to do it together. And then the EPA talk at the end, beautiful. So more things to pray for. An army of patriot lawyers, go out there and do your best, ladies and gents. We will be right back. We're going to do your super chats. We're going to call up the Zells. We're going to concentrate a little bit on the updates out of Utah. And this uh, and this revised, what is this? This revived interest in the Franklin scandal. We're going to talk about that afterwards. And after t afterwards tonight, we're going to be playing something special on QuiteFrankly.tv related to this upcoming discussion that we're going to have with Frank and Jim. So, yes, we have Tuesday night programming on QuiteFrankly.tv. Don't go anywhere. Be well. That's not what I wanted to do at all. That's how I start the show. <laughs> That's how I start the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Intermission. We'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Frankly. Quite 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 frankly. We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I yeah. agree. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Super Chats? Super Chats? Anybody? 
Let's do Super Chats. Wonderful, wonderful talk. Always is. Let's start on over at, quite frankly, superchat.com. Silky Johnson, who's been around a lot lately. Silky, oh, he sent two things. Uh, super, Silky, whoa. Uh, Silky Johnson says, it's crazy, Frank, the left treat women and gays like they have no agency. They have no control over getting pregnant and must kill their baby. Um, the sodomites must have unprotected sex with random men. Personal responsibility. What are you, what are you, a bigot? Well, I, um, I, l listen, it's very, it's very, it's rough for, for, for me to, to watch. I really don't have any holdups, hangups on, especially people who are gay. I've got gay family members, friends. I've had gay band members. It, it doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't matter. Uh, gotta take care of your own shit. Be responsible for your own life. And be decent to anybody who's decent to you. I, I've always... That's my, that's my thing here. And... I am just, it actually gets me worried because the more extreme they get with pushing these caricature people, like the guy that works for George Soros and went and just offered his body up to anybody on Christopher Street in New York City in the middle, in the middle of June, I, it, that is a caricature, that is a kamikaze, that is a a, a train wreck that has been created been created and you know what that is just what's been done on a on a gay level women same thing what do you think what do you think the the, the culture what is the cult the, the the feminist culture really all about when it produces television shows like 16 and pregnant on MTV back in the day now I'm sure that shows like that are still around it's the same thing it's the same thing. It is the the cutting of ties from something that is steady, that is responsible, uh, that is grounding. Um. So, and 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 they want you to broad stroke everybody because they're broad stroking people. They get into broad stroking so that you'll do it too, and then finally they have an opponent. They're looking to create opponents. And a lot of the people that they that they, they they have under their spell, those are captives of theirs. So, you know, I I, I yeah, I, I uh I don't know. It's it's a very it's a very distressing. Very distressing because you don't want to see you want to try to limit the casualties, you really do. But what they do to people and how they how they project and uh, portray people is, is horrible. And it's only making things worse. Um, let's see. Fat Boy Vince says, Francis, this is what happens when you have Chris Ann Hall on and Jim Lee on Wednesday. Great lineup, Frank. Wow, Fat Boy Vince. Thank you so much. What a wonderful... Uh, um, a wonderful contribution. Silky Johnson says, hey, Frank, that was supposed to be... A, another amount. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'll let me see. I can 
There you go. Wait, hold on. I have to figure that out later. Uh, Stickman Mike says, Hey, Frank, nice discount from Secret Nature for your referral. There is a little kickback for you. Here's a little kickback for you. Thank you. Hey, Stickman, I just hope that you have a wonderful time. Have yourself a smoke, have yourself a, uh, a drip, whatever it is. There's the oils there, and it's really good stuff, and it just... I, I would not be sponsored by anything that I did not personally like and can't speak fluid, fluently and genuinely and, uh, you know, authentically about. So I hope you have a good time, and thank you so much for the shout-out here and the contribution. Shotzi says, hey, Frank, great show tonight with Chris Ann and the Zells. Yes, we got to get to the Zells right now. We're running out of time. Dr. Cokes says, wishing you all the greatest and the best for August. Thank you. I'd love to have a wonderful August because I'm looking forward to a beautiful September and a, a magical October and an enchanting November and a holy December. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it all. I want to soak up every day and thank you. I'm wishing the best to you all as well, everybody. Uh, and that's from last night. Great. Rockfin, let's get over there. And that is from Todd Fife, a wonderfully generous tip. No message, but I know he loves us. I know he does. Over there on the Rumble. Everybody's hanging out. We got one from Selling the Farm. Says, love Chris Ann Hall. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Selling the Farm, for that wonderful Rumble rant. Now on the Foxhole. We'll get to that, and we're going to call up the Zells. So Frank and Jim... Start calling in in about three minutes. And if I don't pick up, just keep calling, Frank. Rook Castle says, thank you for your quality work, Frank. Thank you, Rook. It's great to have you out there. I know that you've been around for a while, too. You get to know people's screen names. It's something, you know. If I were a coffee shop owner and you guys just love my coffee and you're coming in every day, I get to know your faces as well. I learn about your children. Say hello. I toss you, hey, you know what, You yeah, t- take some macaroons. That's what I would say. If it was my coffee shop, then you were a regular. Yes, t- t- take some macaroons, bring it to your mom. Tell her I said hi. Things like that, that's what I would do. But it's just a radio show, so I can't do that. I try. We'll do other things. Sean Joe, thank you. Rook Castle again. Judy the Lady Pug. Tam Growl. Put in hollow. Switch Rod says Sri Lanka is now under military unelected rule. Digital currency, social credit uh, credit system. Worse? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Imagine going through all that. Storm in the, storm in the castle. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're living under a uh, junta. And I don't know. But either way, I guess the, the people were kings for a day. Khaleesi says, Liberty, Truth, and Justice. Thank you, Khaleesi. River Pike, I will call this a bitch slap to the left. Switchrod, careful for what we wish. Tyrants seek to instill worse tyrants. Second Amendment, invaluable. And SCOTUS, too. River Pike, again, your best guest, sent in, uh, your best guest since you have been streaming, Frank. Wait, best sentence. What did I say? Your best guest sentence since you 
Wait, I, I don't know. I, I'm confused. Moving on. Switch rod again. God bless you, Chris Ann Hall and Frank. Sean Anon, I hope the audience knows how profound it is to hear Chris Ann express such optimism for our future. Yes, but it's not enough to hear it. It's to internalize it and to go out into the world and act it, to spread that and and uh, be proactive in that in that action. Keep doing it. Pass it forward. Pay it forward. Zoso Dude says you your and Karen's new shirts. Your and Karen's new shirts hit your P.O. box Monday. I can't wait to see it. Who's Karen, though? I hope I didn't take Karen's shirts. Just Because says, What an inspirational person Chris Ann Hall is. We need lots more just like her. River Pike says, Frank is nice. Almost at the end here, Tom Ford says, Chris Ann summed up that perfectly, especially when integrating the history of the text for all. Yes, we are the militia. And well-regulated means we should be practicing every day. But, you know, don't tell that to Joy Reed. Don't tell that to Joy Reed in her wigs. B-Tech Vendetta says, My brain hurts now, but in a good way. Chris Ann is a gem. I appreciate her appearances on Quite Frankly TV. Thank you. Zoso Dude says, I wrote Lauren, but autocorrect said Karen. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Well, that makes sense. Because I don't know. Uh, I don't have a Karen that's close to me. Not like Lauren, at least. Paulie9363. I got triggered, same as panic attack. I'm an asshat. I'm confused. Sean Anon says, thanks, brother. Just in the nick of time before Chris Ann... DT's set in two. I'm getting confused. I'm sorry. I'm just reading and I'm confused. River Pike again says, your voice calms me. And last, our Cloaked Unseen says, sent you an email a few weeks ago as requested about me solving a Voynich manuscript. Oh yeah, I, I forwarded that over to John Carroll. The quite frankly writer to see um, to see what he thought about it if it could be turned into something and it's in his hands we'll see what happens in the future obviously you'll know if we do something with it but thank you so much the Voynich manuscript is something I've had on my to-do list for a long time Matt sent that to me originally years ago he said you ever hear about the Voynich manuscript I said no take a listen to it some of you are going to go check it out Go ahead, check it out. Maybe I'll find some documentaries on it to put it on, quite frankly, TV over the weekend. Okay. That's it for that. It's time to move on. We have a couple of Utah updates from inthezeller.com. Here's the, the latest one. This came out just a day or two ago. Utah County. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. And then the one before that, a source fills in some gaps. Let's start with that one because it's short, and then by that time we'll have uh, Frank and Jim on with us. A couple of days ago, this was July 24th, we were able to talk to a source last night who was familiar with the Webb Levitt hearing. This person was able to shed some light on some key areas. The source stated that looking back on the Webb case and the service that Levitt provided for him shows Levitt most likely knew Webb prior to the adoption. So we're talking about the Native American adoption thing again. 
Webb said that his ex-wife filed a report of child abuse against him. Well, our source confirmed uh, uh, to us that the report was for child sexual abuse. Remember that Webb has eight children, plus is the director of the Adoption Center of Choice. According to the source, Webb's daughter was called crazy, and eventually Webb gave his daughter money to keep her quiet. Our source, our source explained that Webb was being charged at the time in 2019 for white-collar crimes like fraud and tax issues. Paperwork in the prosecution of Webb shows his, expect, his expenditures, assets, etc. A few documents show that Webb used funds to take private jet to Ukraine. If the Ukraine sounds familiar in all this, it should, because there is a, a very popular headline getting out here. This is from May of this year, May 9th. David Levitt, that is the former county prosecutor in Utah, who was at the center of these accusations and came out and actually started all this by outing himself. He heads to Ukraine to help donor find 500 families to support. Sounds like a really philanthropic guy, huh? Remember, in an earlier post, we had another source state that the investigators were looking into the Ukraine and human trafficking regarding Levitt. Now we have Levitt and Webb traveling to Ukraine at the same time. Are you starting to see the picture here? Writes Frank and Jim Zell for InTheZeller.com. Here's the next one. Uh, this one came... This was... When the hell was this? I don't know where this post was from. Let's, let's, let's take them on right now. Hey, Frank, you there? Hey, Frank, what's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on? All right, let me just bring my brother up. You got it. <clears throat> Jim, you there? I'm here. All right, Frank. Frank and Jim, you know, I just read... I just read the one of your updates, and I was just about to jump into the crux of the Utah County, oh, what a tangled web we weave. What are you, out of these two latest updates from the last week... Do you want to nutshell this for everybody at home? Uh, the significant, because it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about anything significant. I know that you got sources on the ground now. Um, where are we, and uh, and how can you catch people up for if they have uh, they've forgotten all of the biggest details? Well, uh, I'll try to encapsulate <laughs> in a nutshell what's been going on over the past few weeks. First of all, the sources that we've been able to get in touch with, they are ex extremely intimate with Levitt and some of the other things that we're going to talk about tonight. Very intimate. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Remember, Frank, on June 7th, we started talking about when this case was first breaking and we first started to get our kind of feet on the ground there, that some of the earlier sources were talking about a Native American baby, Levitt was adopting under certain circumstances, and also an adoption via a car, we mentioned. This was back in June, right? Yes. Early June. Well, on June, on June 27th, the reporter that has been covering the case out in Utah, he puts out the story it, from in Montana that Levitt went to Montana, right, to broker a deal with a Native American tribe for a baby by offering to secure trade uh, for buffalo imp, uh, exports to the Ukraine, okay? And keep in mind, Ukraine plays a part, it is a thread throughout all of this, okay? So 
Levitt, through its adoption, is trying to secure this adoption by uh, securing a, uh, you know, a trade with this Native American tribe, and this tribal leader, and the Ukraine for, for buffalo exports. All right? The, uh, the tribe, of course, was aghast at this, and the tribal leader who was trying to broker the deal with Levitt. And later on, this deal went through, but later on, the tribal president who uh, helped broker this deal, he, he went to jail on a uh, unrelated case. So right then and there, you had, you know, this coming to pass, the Native American baby that Levitt was trying to, uh, trying to adopt. Um, and Utah and adoption, man, there's some bad stories out in Utah and the adoption process out there. There is a lot of cases of fraud, uh, just unscrupulous behavior with adoption agencies. You can look it up and you can find these cases online. Uh, well, anyway, there's one guy in particular. Uh, his name is James Webb, right? And he was the owner of an adoption center called the Adoption Center of Choice, which started in, in around 95. And this place was plagued with all types of scandals, you know, from defrauding, um, you know, wannabe uh, adoptive parents to uh, basically not notifying fathers, unmarried fathers of their children being put up for adoption, um, you know, defrauding people of funds, all types of stuff. In 2013, this guy Webb and his company, he loses his license. But guess what? In Utah, I guess anything goes, he continues to practice <laughs> without a license mm. and, start, and continues to broker adoptions, right? Well, eventually, in 2016, you know, Webb is arrested, white-collar crimes, right? He's arrested for uh, taxes and, and fraud. But now, I go back to one of my sources, and I say, hey, you know, you've heard of this guy, Webb. And he tells me, yes, that's, that's the guy that Levitt adopted uh, children through via the car. I was like, okay. So he gives me a case number to look up. We look it up, right? And it's for the state's prosecution of Webb. And in those records, it talks about Webb's defense filing a motion to disqualify the Utah County DA office. Now, why would he do that? Right? Why, why is he filing a motion to disqualify the DA office of Utah County? Well, lo and behold, when you, when you look at the docket, you know, Levitt is testifying in those in those hearings. There's an evidentiary hearing with this motion to disqualify, and Levitt is brought to the stand to testify. Okay, so my brother and I—it's a long, drawn-out process trying to get records out in Utah County, but eventually we were able to get the audio transcripts of this of this evidentiary hearing, right? And in it. <laughs> Levitt supposedly approaches Webb in the spring of 1997 to adopt twins, okay? And Webb says on the stand that Levitt offered a car in lieu of adoption fees, just like my source told us back in early June, right? So the adoption period goes from spring of 97 to about December 97, somewhere around there. And in, that, in this time frame, Levitt represents Webb in his divorce trial, right, Levitt mediates between a Native American mother who signed over a child to Webb and his adoption center, then wanted the child back. Webb goes to Levitt, and Levitt mediates that whole thing, okay? 
Then Webb goes to Levitt when a report is filed of child abuse against Webb. Now, this is, this is important. Webb has eight children, okay? Levitt then refers him to a, a lawyer named Larry Weiss, and according to Webb on the stand in the evidentiary hearing, he says Weiss made a call, and that was that. Went away. Wait, when you say okay. he has eight children, are you talking about he has eight children as a, a foster parent, of, or these are his? Of his own. Now, and, 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 own. and as far well, as Levitt... I, I, I'm, presuming, I'm presuming some of those are adopted as well. Well, what about, what about okay. Levitt? How many, how many uh, children does he have through adoption? To my, my understanding, four, okay. and three of which, to my knowledge, are adopted. Including the twins. Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. Keep, yeah, go ahead. So now... Yep. So now um, the sources and, you know, and, and my brother and I agree that Webb and Levitt perjured themselves in the hearing because they're, yeah. they're saying they didn't know each other prior to the adoption process. But to, to look at it in the scope of things, Levitt goes to Webb to adopt. Then in the process, he represents him in his divorce. Then he mediates the, the uh, issue with the Native American mother. Then Webb goes to Levitt for legal counsel when he, when a uh, report's filed for child abuse. Sexual child abuse. That's a lot going on in about eight months. A lot. So there's a, uh, that's a lot, right? So now, as we're talking to, to another source who's very knowledgeable about this case, right? Webb's report of child abuse, it wasn't child abuse. It was child sexual abuse, which we kind of figured. We were wondering if that was going to drop. But there was a report filed that Webb was abusing one of his children. And it was also came out that Webb was giving payments to this child to keep her mouth shut. He was paying his own and child? To, to, to stop Correct. Her, to basically stop from talking. Give her hush money. That's what we were told, right? Now this is this is interesting, okay? <laughs> There's also in the prosecution, the state prosecution of James Webb, right? There were tax reports, you know, this is a white collar crime they're looking at. So there's tax reports, expenditure reports, and the like. In the midst of that, there's paperwork there, right? Webb was taking funds, this is part of the stuff they were charging him with, fraud. He was taking funds from the adoption center and using it for this, that, and the other thing. Well, Webb was taking a private jet, and I'm going to let you guess where he was traveling to. Ukraine. Ukraine, bro. <laughs> the Ukraine. What are the odds? Are you kidding me? And for those that haven't been really following it, who has a huge foundation in the Ukraine? David Levitt, since 2004, has a home in the Ukraine. James Webb who he goes for an adoption and he offers a car. By the way, in that payment with the car, he asks for the car back. He threatens Webb and says, no, no, give me the car back now. And Webb gave him the car back. So in essence, those kids, he basically just gave them to him. And what are they doing in Ukraine again? Because I know you said before that there was this, this, like, this mediation with the state of Montana to, to get buffalo products out in Ukraine. And also, it's like a three-way trade of a, of a, a Native American child goes to who? And buffalo pro, uh, products go to Ukraine? What, yeah. what the hell is the, you? The, 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 the baby goes to Levitt, 
And in exchange for the babies, uh, the Native American tribe could send their buffalo exports to the Ukraine. And in and, and Ukraine, that's, that's, and what's going on out there? Like, what what does the foundation do out there? Obviously, it's it's going to do something very. The, the Levitt Foundation. He started that. I think it was around 2004. It was um, an organization that was. To, <laughs> this sounds pretty funny. And help them with their legal uh, framework, uh, so they can avoid corruption. That didn't work out too well. <laughs> and so they can have a, a, a legal framework like ours. So that's what he was doing over there. That was his foundation. And may I add, the sources that we talked to, who know Levitt, okay, on a professional level, nobody believed them. Nobody believed what he was doing over there. They thought it was a crock. And a matter of fact, I will quote my source, they thought it was total bullshit. So even as, as he was setting up some kind of an operation in Ukraine, with a cover story of wanting to help fight corruption of one thing or another. Um, everybody here at home who knew him, Levette, didn't, be- didn't they, believe him. They thought that he was doing something shady. Well, well, yes, because remember, that evidence with the Native American baby in Montana, that was entered into a human trafficking investigation by Homeland Security. That was looking into Levitt. So, so already. Okay, so now Frank. Yeah, were looking at, yeah, yeah, what's up? Uh, let me ask you this now, because what, what Jim what Jim is putting out there, of course, this is just. I mean, it's very intricate and very necessary to 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 conceptualize just the I don't know the timeline of events and all that, but it's also pretty pretty isolated from the massive the massive amount of crime and witnesses and victims that have been coming forward in the last uh, month and a half now that we were talking about before. How does this, how would you ex- uh, uh, expand on what Jim just said to plug it back into the Utah, Montana, Westchester, New York connection with when we're talking hundreds of children and the most horrifying of testimonies and all that stuff. How does this all, how would you connect the two? Well, look, I mean, from the beginning, we heard, we heard the Ukraine from the beginning by, you know, from sources. And I was, you know, talking with my brother, kind of trying to downplay, like, you know, let's try, let's steer away from that. Let's just stay local. Let's just try to focus on local. It's getting harder and harder to, it looks like there was a human, a human trafficking operation uh, with Utah, New York, and the Ukraine. This is what it's, this is what it's shaping up to be. As my brother said before, Homeland Security was already looking into Levitt. Even before that adoption, you know, with the, you know, for the Buffalo, you know, you know, just think of him as like, you know, he's like the Monty Hall of adoptive parents. Gets some kid for for buffaloes, uh, gets some twins for a car. I know. You know, who does this? You know, it, I mean, I, me and my brother are kind of rationalizing the car thing as a way that they covered up where this guy just gave him two kids. There was no payment. There was no cash. And that's pretty much their cover story. This guy got... Levitt two kids. 
that's know, what, off the that, books. That's what, say, that's what it sounds like to me, to be honest. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it has to be, because the car thing makes no sense. I mean, who, this guy's a, a county prosecutor. You, you don't got enough money to pay the 5000 6000 whatever the fees are. And if you're a business, how the hell are you accepting a car as a payment, which then you have to give back because the guy demands it back because he's going to sue you into oblivion because he can. That's what he said. That, that is it, a quote. Yeah, it looks like this guy, Webb, procured two kids for Levitt, gave them the kids, and to cover up there being no paperwork or no cash being exchanged or, you know, none of the things that you usually do to adopt a kid in Utah, they came up with this car story. That's what it sounds like. Okay, so... And also, yeah, yeah. No, no, go ahead. add a little, a little extra. Um, Levitt was uh, the DA in Juab County, which is a small county of uh, just a few thousand people uh, back in the time of the 90s, right? In that county lived Levitt, James Webb, and Dave Hamblin, who is the therapist accused of the abuse. Uh, of, and, it's, uh, and it's his kids that formed the reports that started this whole thing off. They all live in a small county, and according to our source, they are all connected to each other. They all know each other. So we can connect Levitt to Hamlin. We can connect Levitt to now Webb, in which Levitt perjured himself during that hearing, saying he didn't really know him. He's full of it. He did. And now we just got to connect Hamlin and Webb, and that's your triangle. And there's going to be more people as this continues to go forward. I, I have to imagine. That's a huge problem. I have to imagine. So, so, so with with what you're talking about there, with the pieces that are still missing, but the pieces that have already been assembled and they're pretty damning. Um, what could you, as a last question on this topic, because I'd love to have at least seven or eight minutes with you about the um, the renewed interest in the Franklin uh, case, but which I think goes hand in hand because we're talking about a nationwide ring and this is this is pretty much what you just described right there actually this is international because of Ukraine but um what are you hearing about what's happening now on the ground just in in general the the the, the general pursuits you've already assembled uh, an impressive amount of information just as independent investigators um but obviously there are people who are privy to so much more Ed, have your sources told told you anything about the progress that's been made with with uh, the the case itself? Those who are actually intent on prosecuting. Well, the cops are doing the right thing right now. There's no leaks coming out of that department. That's a good thing. It's not like let's say like the Ramsey case, for example, where everybody was misdirecting, everybody was leaking for tabloids, you know, and you you know, and it's you were trying to keep track of things you couldn't unless you just ignored all the leaks. That's what me and my brother did, which enabled us to, fo to focus on what we had to focus on. But this group is doing it right. And my source there at that department says the investigation is still on, you know, still ongoing. And as a matter of fact, they just acquired four more names from tip lines. Four more victims or witnesses? Uh, victims. <clears throat> Excuse me. Gotcha. 
So then things are moving along, but it's being it's being oh, very tight-lipped. It, it is, right? And and I'm going to add something also. There was uh, a source a source that I got in touch with. There was a documentary being done. We mentioned this weeks ago as well. There was a documentary being done on Levitt as a fluff piece. Actually, it was pro Levitt. Look at the new progressive DA out in Utah County what our source tells us but lo and behold in the interview with said film company he starts saying these things and the film company is like what is this guy crazy this stuff sounds illegal they turned it from a pro-levitt documentary to looking into levitt himself they're looking into him and from what i'm being told is now i have to look more into this but my source is saying in uh that one of levitt's kids went to the documentary people and said that he threatened his dad david levitt that he was going to out him as a homosexual one of the of one of happened. his one of his four children one of his kids one, one of his own kids one of his own kids was going to come out this is according to a source that knows about this documentary that was being done this, the documentary team went from went from being pro Levitt to looking into him because of the things he was saying. He's such a narcissist. My one source says it's something to behold. To listen to him speak, he reveals himself because he's he's uh, he don't care. He just says things, and this film crew was, is now looking into him. They actually have it on hold right now. So we're looking at a source possibly putting us in touch with the documentary team. Wow. Well, I cannot wait for the uh, for the update on that on inthezeller.com, that's for sure. Well, we're waiting. You know, it's like this one, you know, these people are willing to talk, and it's like it's a breath of you know, fresh air because, as one source put it, I can't wait to unleash to you this information. That's a quote. Yeah, that's mm. freaking rare, man. And, and that's rare. And, and it's like, so we're excited that these people are, are constantly in contact. They're coming back to us. They're holding weekly phone calls with us, updating us, introducing us to other people in the know. It's amazing. Okay, so then let, let's, let's uh, because obviously that's just one of those hurry up and wait situations we're all waiting around uh, this has been very compelling for my audience and myself being that you guys had called our attention to it so early on when it was just a a couple of very odd public uh odd public uh addresses and press releases and uh press conferences things that have been forgotten about by the average american if they had seen it at all months ago and this has been one hell of a ride, and to see just how big it is, and still not really making that much of a of a splash. If this is the way people are talking, some of your sources are talking about what they can't wait to bring to the public. I mean, I, I'm sure it'll make some sort of a splash, and maybe it'll get its own Netflix documentary one day. Of course, if if Netflix got a hold of this, it's going to be told. Uh, it's going to be told in such a shallow, bullshit, controlled opposition way. Um, I don't know. Let me ask you about this. 
the Franklin thing because we're running out of time. We'll bleed over a little bit. I know that this is such a... We did an entire episode on the Franklin scandal together, we three. And um, I saw this on Daily Mail a couple days ago. Here is the headline. Evil in the Heart of America. Shocking documentary exposes mystery surrounding alleged 1988 prostitution ring detailing child victims' horrific claims of being flown across the U.S. and abused by high-power officials high-powered officials and their accusations of a cover-up by the FBI. If anybody out there has never heard this, you need to first go, because we can't do it all right now, go to, quite frankly, TV, go to the on-demand section, and go to the, the, quite frankly, SoundCloud, where the podcast is hosted. And one of the highlighted episodes is called The Franklin Scandal with the Zells, we do a, a deep dive into everything. We start with Lawrence King and, and all that stuff, and it goes right up to the White House. Um, but still, here it is. In the 1980s, the alleged victims claimed a man named Lawrence King ran an underground club in Omaha, Nebraska, through which he, along with, uh, he, along with politicians and businessmen, forced shut children to have sex with them. In 1990, a Nebraska County grand jury concluded that the claims were a hoax, and federal grand jury later agreed that the allegations had no base. We spoke about that specifically when we did that a couple of years ago. However, in 1993, a film crew flew to the state to look into it further, interviewing the alleged victims and others who were said to be involved as part of a documentary on the matter. And now this is uh, the, the days before the movie was supposed to premiere on the Discovery Channel. It got shot, shut down. With no explanation, a little Vanity Fair move there. Now it's been released, released and uploaded to Real Women, Real Stories on YouTube. We have the documentary. After the show concludes tonight, you guys are going to be able to watch it in its entirety. But now that I got you guys on the show for now, tell us a little bit. Um, how would you, um, how would you compare? the workings of the, you know, the, uh, piecing together, uh, I don't know, one point on the graph to the next about what's going on in Utah to how things are getting pieced together with Franklin. Because, of course, whereas we're talking about New York, Utah, and, um, and Ukraine, Franklin was all over the place. It, it overlapped with other rings. It went up to the White House. It, it, this was and is still a huge story that is very seldom understood by the average person. Well, uh, you know, Franklin, and and the name Franklin is the Franklin Savings, it's the Franklin Savings and, uh, and Loan that uh, Larry King was uh, put in charge of. And he wound up, he stole like, I think the shortfall was like $40 million. But the uh, Boys Town with Franklin played a played a huge role early on. You know, there were reports that kids were being abused uh, by by Larry King and by others. And Boys Town, you know, did their own investigation, and obviously it went nowhere. And then. I, if I if I remember it correctly, then I think the foster care review team got involved. They interviewed the kids. They sent it to authorities uh, to be investigated, and you know, and if anything, you know, prosecute people. And there was no investigation done. And it's when 
uh, Warren Schmidt, a state senator from Nebraska, they uh, his committee was formed uh, was formed to investigate what happened at Franklin Savings and Loan. Where'd the money go? And what happened was, all of a sudden, it, it came right back to them. They started hearing the same stuff with kids. So what they did was they hired uh, an investigator. Uh, it, was, it was actually a couple of, of investigators. I always I always forget about, uh, I believe her name was Kathy, uh, Kathy Ormiston, I believe. But it was uh, Gary's firm, Caracorp. And... They told him, look, you know, this is what we're hearing. Don't worry about the finances. Go out and get to the bottom of what's going on with all this, all these stories with the kids. Don't, you know, just get facts. And that's what he did. And so not just the boys, you know, the kids from Boys Town, you know, he digs up Troy Boner. He, uh, he finds Alicia Owens. He finds Paul Bonacci and others and the conflict through all their stories is Lawrence King and powerful people in the community and this is where these stories kind of intersect in a way because that's what you're dealing with in Utah County I mean look everybody you know who's ever looked into Franklin you know me and my brother have you know maybe a little more knowledge of it because you know you know we talked with Paul Bonacci, Alicia, Troy, you know, John DeCamp. I used to call the guy every other day, you know, for years. Uh, but so, so everybody knows the abuse that these kids went through. Horrific stuff, you know. There were elements of Satanism and, and you know, and things that Paul and uh, Alicia Owen uh, talked about. Satanism, murder and just horrible sexual sexual abuse. When you look at, what's, you look at those reports in Utah County, and I said it before, it's one of the worst I've ever seen, ever. And eventually we'll get to one of the victims. You know, it may take a couple more months, but you know, we'll get there. But it's horrific in nature. And you're dealing with, it doesn't name, David Levitt's name is kind of a throwing. It doesn't, you know, he comes in like page 50 or down the line, and his name's mentioned maybe a few, you know, a few times. But there are plenty of others, and you can, you know, you can read, you type your name into Google, and you can see exactly what they do. There they are. Exactly as the person talks about in the report. Oh, oh this guy runs a, a certain shop. Well, there he is, standing in front of the shop, smiling. Oh, another guy's an artist, a local artist. Well, type his name in. There he is in front of his uh, his artist shop. These are prominent people in the community. Prominent. That's a key correlation between what's going on, what happened in Franklin, what's going on in Utah County. Now, with Franklin, Larry King was taking kids from Boys Town and other kids and flying them to Washington, D.C., to Embassy Row for parties with politicians, members of the military, titans of business, so on and so forth. And he was in his business partner in all this was a DC lobbyist named Craig Spence. They ran 
a business called the Golden Boy. This was like the kids, like ten or, or younger. You wanted a really young kid, you went to the Golden Boy, and you had politicians, you know, military people, business people, paying with their credit cards to be set up with these kids. And you know, Craig Spence, when he was outed in the investigation. You know, he, he, he said it. He goes, it was a CIA operation in which we were blackmailing people. He said, that's what it was. Now, we do have, it's not Washington, D.C., we have the Ukraine with Utah County. So we know it, there was a pipeline. New York, New York City has been mentioned as well. So it's Ukraine, New York, Utah. The pieces are still being, that's the thing. This is so, this is so new and everything is just developing. You can just see what's going to happen next. If everybody does their job, you'll, you'll find other people be involved. And eventually there's going to be some kind of news in the Ukraine or some, some national from the Ukraine is going to get tied up in all this because they were most likely smuggling kids in from the Ukraine and bringing them to Utah and New York. So it's, even though it's, it's not Washington, D.C., it's, it's the Ukraine, and it's not just a corrupt nation. The worst country in the world, you know, for, you know, for pedophilia is Thailand, all right? The second worst country uh, in dealing with pedophilia is the Ukraine. It's number two on the list when it comes to human trafficking. So the fact that Levitt and now you got Webb, Levitt, Levitt lived there for 14 years for crying out loud. You know, what, what, are the, what are the odds that Levitt and Webb, <laughs> the guys who are both traveled to the Ukraine? Come on, man. No, and, so, I guarantee you, if we get, if we, you know, we talk to that, we talk to our source, we get the paperwork, we get the flight numbers, we, we check the passenger list, I bet you Hamlin, I bet you Hamlin's on there. Probably. I bet you Hamlin. And, and once you do that, but these people are not, I mean, they were so focused on the, the white collar stuff and web, they didn't even put together what me and my brother were putting together. They didn't even see it. They didn't even, they didn't even see that, that Levin perjured himself. Because they were so focused on just the crimes they were prosecuting, they, how could they, and you can't really blame them, because how could, how could they be even focusing on crimes they didn't even know about? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it was, I mean, 29, it was in 2019. Yeah, so me and my brother, you know, this is what we do, and this is what we look at. So when we read it, it's obvious. It, it, it's so obvious. And we just pointed out to us, to us, look, here, 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 and here. Look at what he says. That's perjury. You know, <laughs> and you have to show them, and and then when they see it, after and then everything that's coming out, then they can put. Now they're putting the dots together. But this is like this is Utah County is the new Franklin. That's what it is. Powerful people in an area, and you, know, you have you know in in both stories, you know you have uh, also pictures being taken, pornography films being made. Yep. Same, same thing, thing. Same thing in Utah County. So now, much. I haven't heard blackmail yet, but that will come up as well. I'm sure. No doubt about it. 
There no, you go. no, no doubt about it. And and I and I I can't thank you guys enough for coming on. Um, I I knew we were going to go over a little bit, but we needed to. And there's so much more to do. But we'll we'll uh, we'll. It's crazy how we said for uh, one of our goals for 2022 was to do some kind of a true crime thing, and all of a sudden true crime started <laughs> up in real time, and now we're just waiting. We're just all sitting around waiting for the updates as there is an ongoing investigation going on, and it's just incredible that, that we're, we've got a uh, an almost a front row seat to this. And I got to thank you guys again, and uh, I, I hope you have a wonderful night. Hope more people go and read every day at inthezeller.com. I see every time you put something out there, there's there's comments. So there's definitely a bunch of people who are watching your uh, your work. Hey, I mean, stay tuned. They know we continue to update as the sources continue to share information, and we can confirm what they're sharing. We're, we're putting it out there. And Frank, we appreciate you having us on. And you know, I appreciate that you you know you pretty much you're, you're the one giving this any really quality airtime at all. To be honest with you. You guys do wonderful. Quite the story. Wonderful work you guys do, and it's it's compelling stuff. It really is, and it's as you said, as we were saying before, it's it's real, and it's on a scale to all the things that we uh, we grew up hearing rumors about, and you know we hear about all these suppressed documentaries. One that we will play in just a few moments after we conclude this broadcast on Quite Frankly TV, but. Um, I, I thank thank you guys for for walking the walk with us. It's it's been wonderful, and thanks again. Have a good night. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Frank. Have a good and let's one. go. Let's go, Mets. Five three, baby. Oh, geez, yeah. I saw that five three. I said, like, come <laughs> on. You know what? You you got the Yan- the Yankees are having a little bit of a they've softened up in the last two weeks. So have at it, okay? Mm. <laughs> Forgot that we will, sir. Forgot we're dealing with Mets fans here. Okay, get the hell out of here. <laughs> laughing at me the hell is this <laughs> i forgot about that that thing about the zells i don't know if i can trust them anymore all right well listen ladies and gents it's been wonderful wonderful night tonight i want to thank you all again i um let me just make sure i have everything done on quite frankly super chat yes let's see um Let's see here. Uh, Rob M. says, Hi, Frank. Greetings from Canada. Just love the show and never miss it. Uh, just love Chrissy Ann Hall as well. I wish we could have a constitution like yours up here. You guys are so lucky to live in, a, in the freest country in the world, Rob. And that's saying something. It's the freest. With all of our problems, it's still the freest. Sunshine Girl, it's my birthday today, Frank, and I got an apple tree. Wow. That's an awesome gift. And, and happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Stow Soup says, wow, simply put, wow. Always when Chris Ann Hall is on, amazing and beyond. Beyond informative guest. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Um, that's it for right now. I'm going to release the scratching on Foxhole. I appreciate it. They have been coming in in droves on Foxhole with all of the gold pills. But don't go anywhere. Because you guys are going to see the newly resurfaced, resurfaced 1993 documentary that was nixed by the Discovery Channel and disappeared. And now it has popped up for a little bit. Um, and those who pay attention will know a little bit more about, a, uh, about the world and how it works. Because if this documentary was done by Netflix, it would be characterized as a, a, an unfortunate yet isolated series of 
personal tragedies and traumatic events, and it's uh, certainly not going on anymore. The business model is dead. But of course, you know, take notes. Have a good one. I will talk to you all tomorrow. It is Wednesday night tomorrow. We've got Jim Lee coming back on the show. That is going to be another one. Another one for the ages. So don't miss it. 7 o'clock, Wednesday. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed by uh, in front of a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Silky Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry, Silky, I didn't see that last one. I'll get to that tomorrow, I promise. Rob M, Sunshine Girl, Stostube, Silky Johnson, Fat Boy Vince, Stickman Mike, Shotzi, Doctor Cokes, and that's it for today. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you to everybody on Pill.net, which is quite frankly TV. Rumble, Rockfin, D Live, the uh, the Jacuzzi over there on Theta, the uh, the Superior Twitch, and the Scrum on YouTube. Everybody just the Scrum. Thank you all so much. We will see you soon, and uh, can't be soon enough. <laughs>